I'm Brianna. I'm Sarah. And we are the, the Squad, Squad Ghouls. Ghouls. Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. The creepier, the better. Oh, yeah. Hey, Brie. Hey, Sarah. What's the most important subject that a witch learns in school? I don't know. Which one is not important to them? Spelling. these are just so great (laughs) hey sarah hey brie what do you call an annoying pumpkin who does stupid stuff i don't know brie a jackass (laughs) o'lantern even jared's rolling his eyes at that one (laughs) yep (laughs) i had to throw in a little bit of um adults corny halloween jokes i almost responded with something that's relevant to something that's going on in life right now but then i didn't feel like that would be nice (laughs) to put on the air (laughs) well on that note let's get into our booze news booze news booze news (laughs) so uh some exciting new book news book news uh guillermo del toro and chuck hogan who both did the strain together that was on fx i think last year or the year before oh yeah that's right. uh yeah, yeah yeah they're doing a horror novel together called the hollow ones oh that's that exciting sounds intriguing so that will be whenever that comes out that will be one of our book clubs i'm sure oh yeah yeah man that's on the list and then uh also other fun exciting news btf media has secured the film rights to The Others, the oh. original movie that came out in 2001 with uh, Nicole Kidman. Right. That, that was a good movie. Yeah. It, dude, that movie, I remember seeing it in the theaters when it came out, and that it was unsettling. It really freaked me out. Yeah. Um, And it's still really creepy Like when I go back and watch it, but it's, an, it's a mixture of creepy and sad. So mm-hmm. like when uh, her husband comes back, and then you find out that he actually died in the war. Um, she doesn't know he died in the war, but... He died, and then you didn't see his reflection in the mirror, and then he just takes off one day, and she's all depressed. Like, it's really sad, actually, yeah. watching it again as an adult. I feel like we should watch it again together and then talk about it here. We should. That's a good idea. I'm Especially with this, schedule. you know, new one coming out. Yeah. And we have something to compare. Yeah, man. There's <laughs> So there's going to be both a remake and then a series as well. And I Ooh. think... Netflix picked up the series, but I'll actually have to take a look and I feel and like Netflix that. is picking up everything. <laughs> I mean, they got to compete with Hulu and HBO Max. And pretty soon, Netflix is going to be their own cable network. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> they pretty much have every show and every movie right they now. They do. They do. I mean, and I'm happy for it. I'm happy for them because uh, they're bringing out some good stuff. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, well, Disney Publishing is bringing a little terror into the magical world of Disney. Um, the, they have an upcoming middle grade middle grade horror book series called Disney Chills. Ooh. Yeah, which is set to debut this coming July. It's pretty soon. Um, actually, Part of Your Nightmare is going to be released on July 7th, uh, penned by Vera Strange, a.k.a. the author Jennifer Brody. No! Yeah. (laughs) And uh, the first book uh, series will be followed by, well, after that book, then it's going to be followed by Fiends on the Other Side, and then Second Star to the Fright. Oh, that sounds so cute. Yeah. I mean, I know this is probably, you know, like they said, the middle grade, like school, you know, ages, but... I feel like I might want to read it. <laughs> yeah, same here. Like I'm I'm not above reading young adult fiction. 
Right. Sometimes I need an escape from the world. Well, especially when it's the stories that we grew up with and they're kind of turning them to be a little dark and creepy. I kind of like that. I kind of like that about them. Oh, totally. Um, My homegirl, Elizabeth Moss, is uh, reuniting with uh, Dana Reed, the director of several episodes of The Handmaid's Tale, for a movie called Run, Rabbit, Run. Ooh. A supernatural horror film. Um, Details of the movie is still under wraps, but um, so far... They released that the story features Moss as a fertility doctor whose cut her clear-cut ideas of life and death are challenged when her daughter starts acting strangely. And as she works to unravel the mystery, Moss's character most, uh, must confront both her beliefs and the ghosts of her past. Ooh. Ooh, that sounds interesting. But also speaking about Elizabeth Moss and Dana Reed, the new season of Handmaid's Tale is coming soon to Hulu. Okay, so I have a question. <laughs> I only read the book. Yes, me too. And from what I recall, the first season ended where the book ended. Mm-hmm. But where does it go after that? You know, it's very far off the book right now. And I feel like they're kind of creating... Well, I know that... Um, oh my God, the author's name is... Margaret Atwood? At, yes. She wrote a second one, which I haven't read yet, um, which is a continuation of the first book. And so I don't know if any of these uh, past seasons have anything to do with that book. Um, I know that she helps a little bit in the story, in, continue, in continuation of the story with the series. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if it continues on with any part of the first book in, or into the second book. Because I, I haven't read that one yet, which I do want to read really soon. Um, but I like kind of where they're taking it. Basically, right now, uh, you know, the handmaids are uh, starting a revolt to pretty much win back their freedom. They're trying to, a lot of them are trying to escape and um, get over to Canada to safety. Because it's the only place where, you know, this is not happening. Um, And, you know, also she's still trying to get her daughter. She's uh, trying to get in touch with her husband. Um, So there's a lot of different things that are happening. I mean, I would suggest if you haven't caught up, you should. It's very good. I will need to because I only watched that first season. Yeah, it's, it's a lot about like women taking back their power and i'm here for it fuck yeah man (laughs) i'm I'm totally here for it like i really i thought like it was just gonna go way off like kind of what the true blood series did to me and the books like the series went so far off the books that i feel like the way that it ended just had to be that way because you know they weren't following the storyline at all (laughs) so but i feel I'm, i'm actually really happy the way that they're doing this because yeah it's still very intriguing and keeps you you know wanting to hear more of the story and what happens um with you know the rest of the handmaids and this revolt interesting yeah check it out next year 2021 the teaser trailer is out now and it's good i'm gonna have a lot to look forward to in 2021 me too (laughs) since everything this year's canceled yeah i'm you sent me that that meme of uh 
uh, Pennywise grabbing the person in the sewer. Oh, yeah. Pennywise, <laughs> can I come down there? Because I hate 2020. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was saying if, you know, 2021 is down there and puppies, I'm going in. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> uh, and then also in a recent interview with Jason Blum of Blumhouse, uh, he stated that sadly he has no plans to restart Dark Universe. Dis- no. Yeah, despite the success of The Invisible Man. Why? Because can we just talk about how many things that Tom Cruise has ruined in life? Well, and, <laughs> just for a minute. But I mean, Invisible Man, Invisible Man was so good. It was. And if they just take what they did with that and put it to the other stories, well, okay, I just so, feel like it can't be ruined. But okay. so here's what here's the plan instead. So okay. the whole point of Dark Universe was to have like obviously to reboot the Universal Monsters right. series, um, but in order to create kind of this anti Marvel storyline, the point was to have all of these characters that kind of interconnect. So that's why in the Mummy you saw Russell Crowe as Doctor Jekyll, um, and he was supposed to. These characters were all supposed to kind of appear intertwined in other stories, um, but instead there are all of these different Universal monster films that are being rebooted, but they're not going to be collectively one dark universe where the characters all appear okay so invisible man was its own standalone and then we we know that you know the wolf man remake is coming with ryan gosling still not sure how i feel about that but okay <laughs> um and then also karen kusama who did girl fight aeon flux and jennifer's body Ooh. yeah is doing dracula okay i'm here for it i am too i felt i felt better about it so while it won't be all under this dark universe umbrella, the mm. standalone movies are still going to be wondering occurring. where this Dracula is going to go because there's been so many. Oh, I know. It's, <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about those other ones. I mean, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I still <gasps> feel like nobody can top that movie. No, never. I never. mean, it. Yeah. <laughs> never gonna be topped it's 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 very hard to you know make something based on that story and knowing that that movie was so well done so close to the book and yeah well it'll be interesting to see what they do with this for sure definitely for sure um there's a, a documentary coming out on hbo from the book i'll be gone in the dark by michelle mcnamara um, it's coming out June 28th, so actually recording today. Ooh. <laughs> it's coming out today. I know what I'll be watching. Yeah, I'm going to need to get an HBO Max trial to watch this. Yeah, well, it's it's on HBO, but also it'll be available on HBO Max as whoop, well. Whoop. So that's good to know that you don't have to do two different subscriptions. Um, but if, you know, those of you that don't know the book um, by Michelle Mac. McNamara. Um, she's Patton Oswald's wife, the comedian, and she spent a lot of her life um, trying to solve the case uh, of all the unsolved crimes of the Golden State, Golden State Killer, who pretty much terrorized California in the 1970s and the 1980s. Uh, pretty much all the research that she did in creating this book um, pretty much led to them solving the case and arresting the man. Uh, and 
I, I have been obsessed with, I mean, like everybody else that's obsessed with true crime. I've been obsessed with this one in particular because thank you to 23andMe or Ancestry DNA or whichever one ended up catching him, but it was a familial DNA hit yep. that actually busted this motherfucker. And I, sorry, pardon my German, but horrible, awful, terrible man. Yeah. Um, and fun facts that we actually just looked up before the podcast. And, you know, this is on a Sunday, June 28th. So everybody will probably hear this long after this airs or long before this airs. Uh, he's finally agreed to plead guilty as opposed to dragging this out through trial, but he won't get the death penalty, but he's also 74 years old. So yeah, he's probably going to die any minute anyway. <laughs> Not sad about it. Good yeah. riddance. <laughs> but I mean, pretty much a lot what she, the research that she did for this book really helped with that. Unfortunately, she didn't get to see him, you know, get arrested, but it was great that they still used a lot of her research in, you know, finding a lot about him and getting this case finally resolved. Yeah. So I can't wait to watch the documentary and see all of the work that she did. Yeah, man. So, uh, actually, and continuing on with uh, being in with Black Lives Matter, we still want to shine a couple of Black creators that are out there in our uh, creepy, dark, spooky world. Uh, first, I want to mention Black Widow Beauty uh, creates bold, eccentric, and um, eyelashes for gothic, alternative, and emo communities. And their lashes are cruelty-free with vegan options available. Oh, So that's really cool. I and you know it. how I love lashes. Who doesn't? <laughs> um, they have a Facebook, IG, and a web shop available. Ooh. And another one that we wanted to shine some light on is our friend Dominique, who actually makes super cute pins that uh, she sells on her Etsy shop. It's under Pins by Sucrose because she's a roller derby skater and her derby name is Sucrose Overdose. Sucrose, we love you. We love you, Sucrose. I'll be getting that ranch bottle soon. Oh my God, yeah. She's got like a ranch <laughs> bottle. She's got a bottle of Cholula, um, but she does a ton of super cute different pins. So, uh, definitely check her out and support yes please and another one you know because there's a drag queen living inside me um i want to talk about is pennywigs.com they um penny dreads and wigs they sell um alternative inspired designer wigs synthetic dreadlocks hair extension hair extensions accessories and more um they're based in chicago illinois so i'm Sure, there's a, a lot of drag queens in Chicago that probably get a lot of stuff from her. She's been uh, very popular and kind of coming up in the world, so I definitely want to highlight her. Um, there's a web shop, Facebook, and an Instagram, so oh, yay. please show your support, support the Black community, and buy some stuff. Yeah, man. And then going into our topic this week is urban legends <laughs> and, we, and we do our own sound effects here. right and and so this is not um, although we'll you know talk about it this is not the movie series urban legends though i did watch it i i did too <laughs> while i was taking notes on this uh but this these are actual urban legends and kind of where they originated from and then some of our favorites as well yes so Starting with that, just a little bit 
of, I guess, kind of like a little background for those people who don't know. Um, urban legend or urban myth or urban tale is a genre of folklore comprising stories circulated as true, um, especially if it's like happened to a family, friend, member, or just coming from horrifying or, you know, weird elements that have happened in the world. Um, uh, a lot of them basically have been circulated, you know, orally through, you know, person to person, word of mouth. Um, a lot of it has been circulated on uh, social media, newspapers. Um, it it goes on and on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the term urban legend um, has uh, appeared in print since at least 1968. Yeah, so the term um, urban legend has been um, pretty much used since 1968. Uh, Jan Harold Brunvon. Rune Vand, uh, an English professor um, at the University of Utah, introduced the term to the general public in a series of popular books published in uh, the beginning of 1981. Uh, Brune Van used uh, his collection of legends, The Vanishing Hitchhiker, oh. um, the American Urban Legends and Their Meanings, which came out in 1981, to make two points. First, that legends and folklore do not occur exclusive, exclusively in so-called primitive or traditional societies. And the second, that one can learn much about urban and modern culture by studying such tales. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> um, many urban legends are framed as complete, complete stories with plot and characters. The compelling appeal of typical urban legends is its element of mystery horror fear and or humor i haven't seen much humor much of these but um and they often serve uh, as pretty much like a cautionary tale like you know I, I i mean we'll go into more urban legends later but like you know there's la llorona oh yeah that's definitely a cautionary tale uh-huh stay away from the water <laughs> because i've heard from a lot of you know my my friends uh, in regards to that story that used to be told to them and it's basically you know telling children to behave <laughs> so that la llorona doesn't come after them <laughs> so <laughs> very smart way to use that <laughs> um some other things um most urban legends um, will also include include an element of something that's supernatural, paranormal. So kind of like the Bigfoot or the Mothman, which will kind of... All the cryptids. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit uh, later, too. Um, and uh, the earliest term by which these narratives were known were urban beliefs tales. Um, their tellers uh, regarded the stories as true accounts and, and used the device of... Uh, friend of a friend uh, which was invented by English writer and folklorist Rodney Dale in 1976 I didn't know that yeah when I heard that the friend of the F <laughs> F-O-A-F I didn't know it's like <laughs> like is this just this. another acronym that I'm not gonna know and I'm gonna have to ask someone under 30 to explain to me <laughs> right well and that you know and that coinage leads to um, the terms of the 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 F O. AF floor or the the FOAF tale. Foa floor. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm not going to say that all in one word. And folk tale. Kids, right. just say the damn words, please. So many things about all this. Mm. Um, 
And with the friend of a friend tale, that leads into the story known as the death car. I don't know if you heard that story, but mm. <laughs> no, you know what? I actually don't think I have. Oh, I'm gonna have to look it up. Wait, is this the one with the guy that sits in the back of the car and like when you're at the gas station? Is that that guy? <gasps> mm. Or is this different? I think this one is different. Okay. Which we'll definitely have to get in that one too. <laughs> Learning so much about urban legends other than what we learned from the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, basically the narratives are believed uh, because they construct and reinforce the worldview of the group within which they are told because they provide us with coherent and convincing explanations of complex events. Mm. Ooh breaking it down for us <laughs> <laughs> um some social scientists have started to draw on urban legends in order to help explain complex socio-physiological beliefs uh such as attitudes to crime child care fast food winner though that um uh. <laughs> suvs and other family in quotations family choices <laughs> The authors make an explicit connection between urban legends and popular folk- folklore, such as Grimm's fairy tales. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where there, you know, similar themes and motives arise. Um, for that reason, it is characteristic of groups within uh, which is given narrative circulates to react very negatively to claims or demonstrations of non-factuality. Um, and most popular of you know these urban legends is being spread on the internet internet Mm -hmm. is huge once that came out i'm sure the information superhighway man just went crazy you know with you know trying to (laughs) put out all these uh urban legends and you know things that you know have happened um and a lot of that they used to call hoax busters Hmm. yeah so and that's that's like uh, what Facebook has turned into with fact-checking yeah. certain posts and yep. such. <laughs> so basically, this this group, they, you know, deal with the compu- computer-distributed hoaxes and legends. And it was uh, made, uh, it's, it's now since discontinued, but it was made by the United States Department of Energy. Really? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. But now it's gone, which I don't know why. <laughs> it got defunded like everything else. Because <laughs> I kind of feel like we still need it. Just... Department of Energy, Department of Education, EPA. <laughs> don't need them. Defund them. Kind of feel like, well, we won't get into that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but most um, popular with a lot of the internet um, urban legends that were made are known as creepy pastas. I love creepy pastas. Your favorite are like legitimately my <laughs> most favorite thing on the internet. Like, and and you can go down the three a.m. rabbit hole when you can't sleep. Of, oh yeah, I do. Oh yeah, it's it's be- <laughs> it's the best, the best. I mean, most notably coming from that is the story of the Slender Man. Not the movie. Do not see the movie. Yeah, don't. It, it has like two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it. on the Creepypasta website they actually mention how terrible the movie was. It was so bad <laughs> when the story pretty much came from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, that's Hollywood taking something and you know not at least trying to throw some kind of truth into it. <laughs> But uh, we'll definitely get into the Slenderman a little bit later, too. Um, but also, um, 
a lot of television shows started coming out. Um, there was a show called Urban Legends. Um, there was one called Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. Mm-hmm. And then later, mostly true stories, Urban Legends revealed, and it featured reenactments of urban legends detailing the accounts and tales and revealing any factual uh, you know, basis that they may have. And then, I don't know if you guys all remember, there was the Discovery Channel TV show Mythbusters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a really good show. I actually watched that a lot. Um, and they tried to prove or disprove several urban legends by attempting to reproduce them using the scientific method. So I actually have uh, Mythbusters to thank because I watched the one... Uh, and for some reason, this one stuck in my mind more than any of them. That one, and the, when they talked about the moon landing hoax and such. Oh yeah, um, but that's my favorite one. Me too. One of my favorites, at least. <laughs> and this one in particular talks about you know what what do you do if your car is submerged in water? So if you drive off a bridge, not on purpose, but if you accidentally or or maybe you on purposely drive off a bridge. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't judge. Anyway, if your car ends up submerged in water, what to do to try to get the door open and such? Uh. Um, so they try the various different things. I mean, you know, do you wait till it fills up and then try to open the door? Do you mm. and all these other things? So I actually have them to thank because I bought this little device that lives in my glove box. That's a little hammer with the spike point on it to break oh. your window. Um, and then it's also got a little seatbelt cutter on it as well. So if that's good, yeah. So if your seatbelt gets well, stuck, I mean, anything and not just you know flying off a bridge. What about a flood? If you get stuck in your car? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything. Anytime your car could happen with water. water. Yeah. yeah. Buy them on Amazon. They're like $10. Yeah, send me that link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have, I have Mythbusters to thank for that. Yeah, well, that's amazing. I didn't, you know what? I don't know if I saw that episode, but that is... I'm going to text it to you right now. Yeah, that's really amazing. Everybody should have one of those <laughs> in their cars because there's no guarantees in life yeah, ever. Yeah, exactly. So I like to keep one. all safety features as much as I can. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, and then also most popular in the 1998 film Urban Legend uh, featured students discussing popular urban legends while at the same time falling victim to them what did you think about the ones that they mentioned in the movie the ones that they mentioned in the movie were the ones that i had primarily heard about mm-hmm. um like the pop rocks yeah the pop rocks and coke the you know not kidney. gonna lie i did that <laughs> just to see what would happen yep i'm alive so it's fine right we survived <laughs> um there was that one the the guy in the back seat of the car at the gas station um the headlights where you're not supposed to flash your headlights yep um I only saw the very first one. I don't think I saw the second one. There was a second one? There was a second one. Oh, and there may have been more, but I just remember there's a second <laughs> but one. But why? I, the you first know, one was so good. Because if one is good, then, you know, 500 <laughs> offshoots are, are way better. Um, oh, boy. I, I, I liked it, and I thought it was a fun... I, I thought it was fun. It's not... It wasn't super scary, but I knew that going into it when I watched it. I didn't watch it, watch it because I was expecting to be completely blown away by this horror cinematic masterpiece. I watched it because I knew it was going to be fun. And it was going to play on a lot of the stories that I had heard as a kid, especially okay. growing up in yeah. where I did. The the Pop Rocks one was one that I tried myself. And then I haven't tried it. I'm not trying to do it. But the whole feeding like an alkyl seltzer or like a Mentos to like a bird and they explode. I won't be doing that. Yeah. I, I don't want to see if that's true either. No. But also they were saying if you do Mentos and Diet Coke. So, yeah. It's gotta be Diet Coke. 
I don't something. know. I don't know why it has to be There's Diet some, Coke, and I don't want to try it because I've actually seen. I don't know if you've seen these videos online where these kids are pouring a bunch of soda on top of a big tub of Mentos. Oh yeah, and it like turns into this huge foam. Uh huh. Yeah. So basically, they're saying like that same thing happens in your body, and that foam fills up, and you you die. I mean, don't drink soda, period, because it's bad yeah, for you. Especially diet soda. Just drink the whole thing if you want. <laughs> yeah, and drink it once in a while. If you're moderation. gonna cheat, yeah. you might as well go all the way. <laughs> I know. I was a I was a biology major, not a physics major, so I'm not sure like what it specifically <laughs> is that that makes it work. But and just some other things that have uh, come out uh, regarding just different types of media. Um, speaking about urban legends. Um, we just finished talking about the movie, but uh, between 1992 and 1998, the Guardian newspaper weekend section published the illustrated urban myths column by Phil Healy and Rick Glanville with content taking uh, uh, from a series of four books, Urban Myths, The Return of Urban Myths, Urban Myths Unplugged, and Now, that's what I call urban myths. <laughs> Is that like the, the now that's what I call music volume? Yes. If that's what you were thinking, you are correct. Oh my God. <laughs> Which is, is pretty great. <laughs> um, the 1994 comics anthology, The Big Book of Urban Legends, written by Robert Boyd, uh, Jan Harold, uh, Brune Van, and Robert Lauren Fleming. Oh. It featured 200 urban legends, urban legends displayed as comics. I feel like I had that when I was a, I know a I wee read it. it. <laughs> I know <laughs> I read it for sure. <laughs> Um, also, the British writer uh, Tony Barrow has explored urban legends in a long-running column in the Sunday Times. Um, these uh, include the story that Orson Welles began work on a Batman movie in the 1940s, which was to feature James Hagney as the Riddler and Marlene Dietrich as Catwoman. I do love Marlene Dietrich. Yeah, I kind of like that urban legend. I kind of mm-hmm. hope it was true. Right. Um, there's also the persistent rumor that rock singer Courtney Love is the granddaughter of Marlon Brando. No way. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea, and the idea that a famous 1970s poster of Farrah Fawcett contains a subliminal sexual message concealed in her hair. Her hair is, are you saying that her hair is big and full of secrets? Mm -hmm. Because that is actually what we're saying right now. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie's Angel's feather. Well, that's all we say. Bigger hair, more room to hide the secrets. (laughs) That's not what I say. (laughs) Or as Dolly says, the bigger the hair, the closer to God. Exactly. Tease it to Jesus. (laughs) So that's just kind of an idea of just things that have been circulated or how uh, urban legends get circulated (laughs) so now we'll kind of go through a couple of the popular urban legends or some that that we have heard and kind of like the stories something like that (laughs) yeah there's some there's some good ones out there and and i think that everybody is familiar with bloody mary so yep that's the <laughs> the legend where you have to go into your bathroom, you know, say her name into the mirrors three times. I think it's three times. Yes, three times. Um, and then when you say it, you know, she'll appear and kill you while you sleep. I think yeah, I've done it. I have not. Because I'm still here. I mean, I okay, but hindsight, I I also had like three other people in the bathroom with me. 
<laughs> are they all still alive? Yes, we're all still here. Okay. <laughs> so, but but making the point that I did not do it by myself. <laughs> and probably won't ever. <laughs> um well, and I think there's there's some other really good ones too, and and I don't know if this one's considered more creepy pasta or urban legend, but uh, it's the story of black eyed children or black eyed kids. No, this is the one that I haven't heard. <gasps> you haven't heard about black eyed kids? No. As soon as I gasped, uh, Peanut Doug sitting on my lap, and as soon as I gasped, she looked up at me and went, "Calm down, mom." Uh, <laughs> so uh, this one's a, we'll call it an urban legend, but it, it talks about these supposed paranormal creatures that resemble resemble kids that could be anywhere from the age of six to 16 they have pale skin and completely black eyes uh and if you see them on your doorstep you are not supposed to let them in because if you let them in bad things happen and you can't get rid of them well i mean clearly if they had black eyes i probably would not let them in no i wouldn't even answer the door (laughs) and that's why there's ring exactly <laughs> this is why we have security cameras <laughs> although i think the the only thing we've used to capture with our ring doorbell was a huge trash panda that was crossing <laughs> the little brick path in front of our door at 11 setting, setting off the alarm <laughs> no it did it it was it was 11 45 on a weeknight we were both asleep and we heard the motion chime not the actual doorbell itself but we heard the motion chime go off um, which at 11:45 at night, that's terrifying. And peanut heard it and started freaking out. So we then, you know, I'm ready to call the police because there's somebody here. And Jared gets up, he mustered up his dad courage as he calls it. And is like, whoever it is, I'll fucking kill him. Um, so he goes, there's nobody there. And we waited for the little video to load up to your event history on the app. And when we looked, it was a huge trash panda that was walking in front. And it was so fat. I like fat. how you don't say raccoon. You say trash it's panda. It's a trash panda. And it was so fat that it picked up the ring doorbell. Lose some weight, <laughs> raccoon. Stop eating so much trash. <laughs> well, one that I kind of was reading in into a little bit more just because i wanted to learn was the mothman i do love the mothman i never like actually the okay so i saw Chicago. i mean i saw the the mothman prophecies mm-hmm. which you know was based, based off on the book the book um which i have not read it's good i mean but now, <laughs> now i kind of want to it's really good um but in this is uh west virginia folklore about the Mothman creature, uh, supposedly seen in Point Pleasant mm-hmm. area, from um, 1966 to like around uh, December 15th, 1967. Um, the the first newspaper report uh, was published in the Point Pleasant Register, dated November 16th, 1966, and the article was titled "Couple See Man-Sized Bird Creature Something." i'm not lying (laughs) that is what it said (laughs) and pretty much since that came out like reports were you know the story spread like all across the united states Mm -hmm. and then of course you know there was the book and basically in the book um uh, they say that you know the it's claiming all the super uh, supernatural events were related and had a connection to the collapse of the Silver Bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of 
I looked in a little bit more of that and but yeah so basically I need to read the book <laughs> so um but that's a really interesting story and they have a huge statue of the mo- the supposed mothman and what he looks like in Point Pleasant West Virginia so I guess we can put that on our list to see <laughs> list of things to see <laughs> I'm I'm here for this trip um and also most famously uh Bigfoot <gasps> I mean, Sasquatch. Uh, You know what? My favorite commercials are the ones messing with Bigfoot. The, um, yeah, the the Jack Link's uh, uh, commercials (laughs) where they're like just messing around with him. Instead of like trying to capture pictures of the infamous Bigfoot, they're just playing jokes on him. They're, yeah, they're very entertaining. (laughs) I just want to point that out. (laughs) um but uh a lot of those stories um are coming from just saying that there's like the missing link between humans and human ancestors and great apes they're kind of correlating that with uh, bigfoot and um more so in the areas of oregon washington british columbia and northern california that's the where the claims have come where they've seen this ape like human creature a thing yeah something (laughs) a big furry thing could be a bear could be a bigfoot tomato tomato i mean it could just be like a really hairy man that just wants to look that way as well but you know the people that are into (laughs) squatching as i learned it's called yes i (laughs) yes i just read something about that the people that are into squatching are hardcore into it oh yeah and they will bury you in for with whatever perceived facts they can find for hours and hours if you let them i worked with somebody at at a prior employer who was big time into well no first he was into ufos first he was big time into (laughs) ufos uh and then he really got into squatching and actually went on some of these squatching expeditions man those people are they they go they go deep they go real yeah yeah (laughs) and another one that I i i know i've heard of this one um, and I'm sure you have too. It's the the story of the vanishing hitchhiker. Yes. So it's this urban legend uh, in which people traveling by a vehicle of some sort are met w- met with or are accompanied by a hitchhiker who uh, subsequently just vanishes a lot many times when the vehicle is still in motion without any kind of an explanation. Um, so this actually originates from a nonfiction book that was published in 1981 called The Vanishing Hitchhiker. Um, so in this book, the author kind of suggests that the story can be traced back as far as the 1870s. Um, wow. And what's really interesting is that this story parallels with other urban legends that have originated in Korea, Russia, you know, between everybody from Mormons to people in the Ozarks. Um so it's it's interesting to see how some of these urban legends kind of transcend cultures yes. and these common themes kind of arise within uh, many different cultures because it makes you think a little a little deeper of, well, maybe it's not all completely, mm-hmm. completely unreal. Um, but in this story, there's there's another variation that this hitchhiker 
would look like a normal passenger, but then when they leave, they leave some item in the vehicle, whether it's a garment or a wallet or something like that. Um, and this garment is often found at a grave site at a local cemetery. That's another offshoot of it, which is interesting. Just don't pick up hitchhikers. Do yourself a solid. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. Mm-mm. It scares me. <laughs> well, another one of, like, I would say favorite stories. I mean, it's also very creepy, but uh, La Llorona. Mm-hmm. I love this story. <laughs> I do too. And, you know, I was disappointed in the movie. Oh, let's not talk about the movie. <laughs> I was very disappointed in the movie. It was terrible. It And, and, and sp- well, kind of speaking on that a little bit too, you know, it's uh, Mexican folklore, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's it's talked a lot about, um, <clears throat> you know, within that community. And I, I know a lot of, you know, my Hispanic friends. They mentioned like their grandparents or parents telling them about La Llorona is going to come get them if they, you know, keep you know, acting bad and, you know, she's going to start crying and here outside your window. Mm-hmm. But like, they didn't really touch on that so much. I mean, they did like a little bit in the beginning, but like, I don't know. It was weird. Like they just, I don't know. I felt like they could have taken the story and a little bit further. To, to your point, I think the biggest thing that I had an issue with, and it's something that we talk about a lot on the podcast about representation being mm-hmm. important. Yeah. I really had an issue with the fact that no disrespect to her because she's a phenomenal actress and I love her on Dead to Me. Mm-hmm. I really had an issue with the fact that Linda Cardinelli was the mom. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like, but I mean, I get how, you know, from it came from the person that she was helping who clearly you know was the uh hispanic character Mm -hmm. and and then it transferred the the demon or whatever somewhat transferred over to her family because she was trying to help but her kids were hispanic yeah but i I just feel like they didn't really they didn't really touch on yeah like just could have been a better way and i know i can understand why the you know hispanic community was a little upset about Mm -hmm. this movie (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um but just telling a little bit of background about that um so um in, in mexican uh, folklore la llorona also known as the wailing woman or the choir uh, the crier um is a legend about a ghost woman who tr- who drowned her children and mourns their deaths for eternity um, the story says that a woman was involved with you know an un- unloved by her husband who loved their two sons instead and she caught her husband with another woman and drowned her sons in in a river in grief and anger and then drowned herself and she was refused uh entry to heaven until she found the souls of her two sons she cries and wails and takes children and drowns them in the same river where she and her sons drowned just so that she could you know basically try to get into heaven with them it's really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's she, the story has been a part of Hispanic culture since the 16th, 16th century conquistadors. So this, this story goes way back and, and, you know, transcending into America, she's uh, called the woman in white. And 
the the origin of the legend of that is a little unclear, but it's you know pretty much kind of leaning in the same story of La Llorona, you know the the wailing woman crying for her children, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So yeah, there's so many. There are, <laughs> and we went to so we went to Mexico. We can now go over to Japan. Ooh, yeah, to talk about another urban legend about a woman named. I'm going to uh, really brutalize this name. It's so totally I, fine. So I apologize in advance. <laughs> uh, I think it's Teki Teki. Oh. Um, two words. T-E-K-E-T-E-K-E. Um, so it's a Japanese urban legend about the ghost of a young woman who was said to have fallen onto a railway line uh, where her body was cut in half by a train. That uh, sounds lovely. Right? Well, she's a vengeful spirit, and she often lurks around urban areas and train stations at night. Um, and she no longer has a lower body, so she travels on her hands and her elbows. Oh. Yeah. Dragging her, and so this is where her name came from, she drags her upper torso, and it makes a weird scratching sound. And the scratching is a, as it's classified as a techie-techie sound. Nope. Um, so if she encounters an individual, she will chase them down and slice them in half at the torso. No, thank you. Killing them in such a way that mimics her own disfigurement. That sounds so lovely. Mm-hmm. So uh, stay away from railway lines at night. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we can't not talk about Slender Man. Slender Man! <laughs> we have to talk about Slender Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The the fictional supernatural character that originated as a creepypasta internet meme. Mm -hmm. It was created by Something Awful Forums user Eric, is it Knudsen? Yes. Yes. Also known as Victor Surge in 2009. Um, He depicted, uh, he is depicted as a thin, unnaturally tall humanoid with a featureless head and face and wearing a black suit. And um, basically, stories of the Slender Man commonly feature him stalking and abduct- abducting and traumatizing people, per- but particularly children. And also, this movie was horrible. <laughs> well, and uh, the Slender Man creepypasta is interesting because uh, there was actually a case that's called the Slender Man Stabbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, so in 2014, there were two gals from Wisconsin, two 12 year old girls. Uh, that's important to note because. Uh, I remember being a 12-year-old girl, and I was never in my right mind. Uh, So this just kind of furthers that. Uh, They lured their best friend into the woods and stabbed her 19 times in order to prove that Slender Man was real. Uh, So she actually was able, this poor little girl was able to crawl off to the side of the road, um, and somebody found her, and she recovered after six days in the hospital. So sad. I know. Here's the thing that pisses me off. Uh, those two girls were found not guilty by reason of mental what? disease or defect. Yeah. So they were both ordered to undergo treatment uh, at a mental facility, mental well, health facility. Well, yeah, because they were both found, like, incompetent, if I remember, to stand trial. Mm-hmm. If I'm not correct on that. Um, well, yeah, because one of them said, I don't remember which girl, but um, I know, I remember kind of hearing about this and... Mm-hmm. Uh, she said that she uh, uh, conversed with Lord Voldemort and one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean... Also, can, can I converse with them? I mean... <laughs> but, I mean, if that didn't give you, um, you know, any sense of where their minds were, then, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. But I'm very happy that that young woman survived. Because mm-hmm. it's just, that's just. I'm going to go out on a guess that they're no longer friends on social media. I would assume. And they're probably not allowed in creepypasta. Mm-mm. I mean, there's got to be some kind of block in there for them. <laughs> to, I mean, I know it's free and it's on the web, but I'm sure they're blocked from any kind of social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah, that, that uh, movie was terrible. I kind of was, it, when, when I originally saw it, I thought they were going to kind of dive a little bit more into the case mm-hmm. a little bit, but I don't know. I just think there was a lot more they could have done with it. Um, They could have just, you know, not or just bothered. Not, right. <laughs> or that. Yeah. <laughs> um, And this next one that I kind of wanted to talk about is actually the origin, well, half of the origin. These two urban legends make up the origin of Candyman. Aha. Which is, you know, Bloody Mary that we talked about. And then right. uh, this one is the Hookman. Yep. So this is the legend about a killer who's got a kind of a Captain Hook style pirate hook for a hand and he attacks couples in parked cars. Mm. And the yeah, and these stories go back to the mid 1950s. Wow. And then this actually was printed when uh, in an advice column in the advice column Dear Abby in 1960. Oh. Yeah, didn't know that. I didn't know that. Mm-mm. Wow, okay. So the whole, you know, basic premise is there's a couple that's out at a makeout spot somewhere off in a hill, and their radio's going, and then suddenly there's a bulletin, a news bulletin that comes up that says that a serial killer's escaped from a nearby institution, and that this killer has a hook for a hand. Um, so, you know, when in some of these stories, because I've heard both versions, in one the killer's hook is found hanging from the door handle or stuck in the door itself. Um, In a couple of other ones, the couple hears the sound of the hook kind of scratching the side of the car. Um, Yeah, and then it kind of varies in scope from the couple seeing the killer and escaping all the way to the couple's murdered. Um, But that's also the half of the origin story of Candyman. Oh, also, can't wait for that movie to come out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just wanted to point that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very excited, and I'm just hoping we can get a handle on this COVID happening so that we can get all these movies and go to the theater six feet apart. Right, with, <laughs> with the seats removed. Right. Well, I mean, they've already kind of started. Comes out, comes out nine twenty five. Can't wait. Good job, Nia DaCosta. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Ready. My my body is ready. My body is ready. <laughs> Especially because the original Candyman, Tony Todd, did not age not one bit. No, he's still every bit as gorgeous as he was in the ninety two ninety 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 version. Mm-hmm. Well, another urban legend that. It's probably really popular is the men in black i didn't so until we did the research for this podcast i didn't know that that one was an urban legend i didn't I either it. i thought it was just a will smith movie me too <laughs> i mean i know it's based on the whole legend of um area 51 and yes just everything that you know goes on behind that um but i didn't know like it was an actual like conspiracy of these actual men that dress in black suits that you know 
come around and, you know, talk to, you know, people who have witnessed UFOs or any kind of, uh, you know, activity or victims of alien abduction. Mm -hmm. Like, that's really interesting. (laughs) I I seriously did not know that was a real thing. I didn't either. And now I know that MIB is real. It's not, but it's not Will Smith or, or Tommy Lee Jones Mm -hmm. or most recently uh, Chris Hemsworth. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thor, Thor and Valkyrie. Yep. Thor and Valkyrie were also the men in black. They were the international men in black. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I already thought the men in black were international by themselves. Yeah. (laughs) You would think. (laughs) Well, another uh, creepypasta that is uh, probably after Slenderman, it's the more well-known other. Well, okay. I should give the caveat of after Slenderman and after Momo. Uh, Oh God. (laughs) This one's called Jeff the killer. Oh, so this is a story of a teenager named Jeff who's attacked by a group of bullies. Um, and the fight ends in him being doused with alcohol and set on fire. Uh, so after he's discharged and he gets all of his bandages removed, he sees his face and he becomes completely insane. So he continues to carve up his face, including giving himself a Glasgow smile, Lovely. Uh, which for those that don't know, the Glasgow smile or also the Chelsea smile is the, uh, slicing of the two sides of your mouth up, very similar to, you know, the Joker and Black Dahlia. Um, so he slices his face up and gives himself that. Um, and then he also burns off his eyelids and kills his family. Uh, and he ends up becoming a serial killer who sneaks into houses at night and whispers, go to sleep to his victims before killing them. Um, that's so, so lovely. Yeah, so this is one of the most... Uh, popular creepypastas that's originated. Um, and then there's also an offshoot called Jane the Killer featuring, you guessed it, a female serial killer named Jane. Well, you know, we gotta represent all sexes. You know. <laughs> it's important. Well, going along with uh, serial killers in your house, <laughs> there's also the licked hand story. Oh, this one creeps me out. Yep. It's so gross. Yep, we're about to... Everyone listening is going to have problems sleeping tonight. (laughs) It's the, it's a more of a, um, more popular urban legend among like teenagers. Uh, Basically it describes, it's the story describes a killer who secretly spends the night under a girl's bed, licking her hand when off her. But this girl would always do this to make sure her dog was near her, you know, sleeping with her. But when in fact there was a serial killer, serial killer under her bed, licking her hand, pretending her dog, and then, yeah, that's the end of that story because that girl is has disappeared after that. So there is definitely a lot out there, and those are just you know some of the more popular ones. But I mean, I'm sure. I mean, there, there's a ton. <laughs> there's a ton of these. Oh yeah, and. Uh, it's once you start kind of going down the rabbit hole of each of these different ones, you start realizing how many of them you've heard of before, or you just haven't realized that they were an urban legend. Maybe you thought it was based on something true, but you kind of cross over into that. And then some of the other, um, kind of paranormal games that you can play, uh, which I think we'll probably do an episode about because they're really fascinating and it's not just, you know, Ouija boards and stuff. But like, could we like record ourselves while doing them? Um, no, because I'm not about to play the midnight game. Oh. Hard pass. Sorry. 
Okay. <laughs> we can do that one in your house. <laughs> or we can do it in somebody else's house and then we can leave after. <laughs> if we survive, we'll right. leave. I mean, but I, yeah, I definitely would like to do an episode of that. It's a very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember there was one time and I have one of my other besties sitting here. There was one time at a friend's house uh, that we played with a Ouija board and we all did not sleep that (gasps) night. You did not. (laughs) She's nodding her head. She was there. You did not. And she's like, why did you bring it up? (laughs) But did you? Okay, so at least you followed one of the rules, which is don't play alone. Yep. Never play alone. There was a group of us. And then two, did you hang it up? Did you say goodbye when you were done? Okay, good. Yes, we did. You definitely have to. But it also wasn't like a the traditional Ouija board. Like, I don't know, it was something weird. Like a You can make your own. Yeah, you can make your own. Yeah, but it was like it wasn't like the original one, if I remember correctly. It was so long ago. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When we when we all realized that maybe it was moving by itself, we're like, and we're done. And goodbye now. Went straight to goodbye. <laughs> did you, um, did either of you see the original Ouija movie? Yep. Okay, so the first one was terrible. The second one was uh, really the, good. The prequel, the backstory. It was really, really good. Yeah. It always has something to do with creepy children. It's always kids. It's, <laughs> it's why I don't have children because they're scary. <laughs> and sometimes they see things that we adults don't. No. Because I'm pretty sure when I was young, I probably saw some things that everybody else didn't see. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I had an imaginary friend, so. it's be- Was it a friend or was it something else? I don't know. But it was this little creature and his name was Buggy. And my mom would get really mad and throw him out the window. <laughs> so. I, I, I read something that said that... Um, the the people in your dreams that you don't recognize are actually ghosts watching you sleep. And I realize how many people in my dreams I have never seen before. And while I don't think it's true, it still scared me. <laughs> so pretty much what you're telling me is I'm just going to be taking notos all night. <laughs> and I'm not going to sleep. How do I not dream? Right. <laughs> or how many drinks does it take for me to not dream and think about creepy people watching over me while I sleep you know I don't know I don't know about either of you but when I drink a lot that's usually when I dream the worst oh yeah yeah I don't know I know it's different for everybody I mean but it helped me when I was at the Queen Mary oh I believe it I mean it helped me go to sleep because I thought there was a ghost in the room there probably was I'm sure there was we were sleeping next to the infirmary so Mm -hmm. yeah that probably was Mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's it for this show that concludes our episode yeah. for today thank you for listening mm-hmm. and please like and comment rate us on instagram and facebook and wherever you listen to podcasts yes and then uh we're our- everywhere <laughs> we're all over we are legion um <laughs> Yeah, we, so we're on Facebook. Find us on the Squad Ghouls. Like us, follow us, all that stuff. Follow us on Instagram. Our handle is the Squad Ghouls. Uh, if there's a particular topic you'd like us to cover, you can email us at 
thesquadghouls at gmail.com. Yes. Did I cover all of our mediums? You did. And I, I wanted to mention, I've gotten a few suggestions that we should talk about later in the year for our show. So please keep sending, you can send them to me or <laughs> send them to Sarah, but you can also email us too with all of your wonderful ideas because they are accepted. If you know us, you can tell us separately. If you don't know us, please just use our email. Yes, please. We appreciate that. Yes. Love you lots. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Creep it real. And we'll scare you later. Goodbye. Bye.